Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And a very, very happy Friday, everybody. Welcome in. It is on the clock. Ben Kenny hanging out with you. A joyous week here in Philadelphia, down at Citizens Bank Park. The Phillies beat the Marlins 2-0. They move on. They're going to the NLDS to face the Atlanta Braves. We're breaking it down here on Phillies 24-7 and Sports Radio 94 WIP. I don't know where to genuinely begin about the week that was. I was down there at the game on Wednesday night, and the magic that is back in the ballpark obviously is palpable. You can hear it on television. If you're there, you could see it. You see the clip that surfaced on Twitter with with the Stott home run with only the crowd audio. It's incredible down there. And the move back from last year's run into a clear momentum throughout the season, fan-wise and excitement-wise, and for the team to completely deliver on what our expectations were, meaning they're back in the playoffs, and when they got back, as we just saw this week, they are clearly positioned well to hopefully make a deep run and at least show everybody that the expectation is warranted. We didn't get to this postseason and the Phillies didn't fall flat on their face or we weren't hit with the reality that, you know, this isn't the team and this isn't the year. Yeah, there were many bumps along the road, like the month of May, the month of April, but still, season long, it's a 90-win team with a lot of the expectations finally being met throughout the season and now back postseason baseball as Citizens Bank Park The two crowds, the two environments, the two performances on the field absolutely surpassed all expectations we could have had, which is thrilling. And it's something that you don't always see in sports. Like we wanted so bad, and we still want, because obviously they're alive and moving on to face the Braves. We wanted this postseason to be like the last, right? We wanted the moments. We wanted the excitement. We wanted the stellar play, but also the crowd environment to continue. And the fact that we as fans are back and the environments are there, there's no complacency. It's not as if we're somehow sick of the winning. And we came in last year with the drought having gone on and suddenly everyone's back at the park and the excitement the first day, oh, postseason's back and then the run goes on. This year, it's like we know this team is damn good. We know the impact we can have as a fan base and there's no thought of oh, yeah, it's fine, they'll figure it out. Or, you know, yeah, the Magic was last year, now they're back in the playoffs. And no, the juice might have surpassed last year. At least it's at that point. Because we as a fan base, 
not only different than everywhere else, clearly. You look at the ticket prices, cost 10 bucks to go to the Rays game. You look at Milwaukee, kind of looks like a funeral throughout that series, reflecting the play on the field somewhat. But you go here, and it's the biggest party in sports. People are comparing it to SEC stadiums. I would put in a, a vote to compare it to Big Ten stadiums, not to disgrace the best college football conference out there, or at least what will be. But seriously, there's a genuine belief within the fan base that this team can win the World Series. And to me, it, it is an objectively better baseball team than last year. The results might not be the same, but how it is built, this is a better baseball team. And for us to enter with those expectations and that excitement, and for the team on the field to deliver to a T, I don't, you couldn't write it any better. You could not have scripted this week any better for us as the fans and the players as well. I saw a great headline this morning, obviously somewhat presented in a comedic sense, saying the Phillies only win games so they could party. Like they keep winning because they know how much fun they have partying. And I think that embodies what it's like in the park and obviously throughout the city at the bars. Everyone's at Xfinity Live after the game. Like last year, the magic that we didn't know if it could be trapped in a bottle and returned again, it is 100% back. So kudos to everybody that was down at the park. Kudos, obviously, to everyone that's been on this team uh, since the beginning. And kudos to this team for delivering in every sense of the word. So we're, we're talking about the Marlins series. We'll look ahead to what the Braves will offer. Some good notes, some good matchups. We'll get into that next segment. We'll look across baseball as well. But I wanted to start when we talk about the game specifically. Uh, four to one win on Tuesday and then seven to one to clinch it on Wednesday night. I can't help come away from this series with the simple thought that the Phillies are the better baseball team top to bottom than the Marlins and they 100% played like it. There was no moment of tightness, which you often see with these great teams when they get to the playoffs. Think of the Braves last year. Really good baseball team. What happens when they face a hot Phillies team? They fall flat on their face. Ronald Acuna looks disinterested. They can't pitch. They can't get outs. And the Phillies wiped them. The Phillies totally crushed them. It's happened, frankly, for the last decade with the Dodgers. They win 100 games every season. They get to the playoffs. They know the expectations that are put on them as a great baseball team. And they continually fall flat. They continually lose for a variety of reasons. But even when they're the better team, they've lost countless series since I really go back to 2008, 2009. Those were two great Dodger teams. They lost. It's like that's a franchise that cannot get over the hump because they get tight when they get to the postseason. This Phillies team is the exact opposite. You saw a better pitching staff perform to a T. More on that in a bit. You saw an offense that is way better than Miami, perform like it. You saw a bullpen actually come in and perform in the one game where it was actually in question. And you saw a manager in Rob Thompson run circles around Skip Schumacher for two days. The Phillies are a better team, and they played like it, and they took care of business. Now, I came on last week's show, and things were very different. We were going into the weekend, and it looked as if the Diamondbacks we're going to be the Phillies' likely opponent. If not the Diamondbacks, and maybe the Cubs. Well, the Cubs missed the playoffs. The Diamondbacks just went to Milwaukee and won. 
And I even tweeted going into game one here in Philly when Milwaukee was up 3-0 on the Diamondbacks, I regret not facing Arizona because I, th- I thought the, the Phillies would crush them. And maybe they still would have. That's a young team who even Buster only said, a player told him they were glad to not come to Philly, which speaks absolute volumes, obviously, on what this place is right now, how it's perceived around the country, and what it can do to a baseball game. But we were entering the weekend thinking it's Arizona. And then Arizona gets swept, I think, against the Astros. The Marlins take care of business against Pittsburgh. And to be quite honest, for the couple days leading into the series starting, I was I was petrified. I talked myself into this being competitive. It was a pesky team, you know, division rival. That all The games are close. The Marlins just weirdly have had the Phillies number. I was obviously dead wrong. And I drastically underestimated how big of a gap there is between these teams and how hard it is to play in Philadelphia. I think it affected Jesus Luzardo. I think it affected some of the Marlins relievers, especially the guy that gave up the grand slam to, to Bryson Stott. He short on that ball and, and left it in a spot that Stott could hit it. So I, w- I was dead wrong going into this, e- this series. I did not think that it would be as easy as it was. But after game one, I sat back and realize what the reality was. And that reality is the Phillies are a better team and they played like it, which you need to give massive credit to them for actually coming through. All right, let's talk about the games themselves. I mean, game one, you could not have scripted a better duo starting pitching than what we got this week. Zach Wheeler goes out six and two thirds on Tuesday, five hits, one run, no walks, eight strikeouts, He ran into a little bit of trouble late. That's obviously where the run came from. And he was, I think, the best he's looked all season. Which when you go back actually to August and Rob Thompson did the six-man rotation to get everybody rested. And remember, this is after Wheeler had missed a month going into last year's playoffs. Rob Thompson managed the pitching staff so well to set up the starters to, to have success here in the postseason. And we saw that first on Tuesday. Wheeler just mowed down the Marlins. You knew as soon as the Phillies scored a run or two. Oh yeah, this game, while it's the playoffs and we're angsty and you know there's tension, you knew that the Phillies were going to win that game once you saw what Wheeler was doing. He mowed him down. I believe, uh, here's the stat, the lowest postseason whip in MLB history. That's walks and hits per innings pitched. The top five. Number five, Sandy Koufax probably heard the name. He had an 825, 0.825. Kenley Jansen, closer of the Braves, closer of the Red Sox, closer of the Dodgers. He has a 0.796. Mariana Rivera, you probably heard that name too, 0.759. Number one with the lowest postseason whip in MLB history, Zach Wheeler, believe it or not. He has been the clutchest big game pitcher in the sport. And it's only it I believe it's only been this series and last postseason, but still he has delivered. And we talk about the best contracts the Phillies have ever given out, or the best contracts this city, any sports team has given out dollar for dollar. Find me a better one than Zach Wheeler. Since they signed him, he was injured with the Mets, he was drastically undervalued, and he's in a free agent class with like Cole Hamels and Madison Bumgarner, and I think Patrick Corbin. And the Phillies chose Wheeler, and they could not have made a better decision. 
he has been one of the best Phillies pitchers in the franchise's history. In the smaller sample size, yes, but if you talk inning for inning, there has not been many guys that have performed better than how Wheeler's performed. And now he lines up like he's your one. And to win a World Series, you need a one pitching like that. So that lines up well for them going to Atlanta. He won't pitch game one, but we'll get into that. Wheeler was was phenomenal on Tuesday. And you know, the guy on the other side, Lizardo, was pretty good too. He was mowing down the Phillies somewhat. I thought the Phillies worked terrific at bats against him. It was capped off by Johan Rojas, the nine-pitch single. He would later score on a double. But you saw, I think, in game one, how deep this lineup is against any pitcher. Because Rob Thompson put in Pache hitting eighth, and he put in Alec Bohm. He moved Bohm to three, and Rojas is hitting ninth. Rojas is a phenomenal nine-hitter because when he gets on base, you know he's dangerous. He could steal. He's working at bats. That at bet he had off Lizardo shifted the tone of the series. It was 0-0 in the third inning, and he worked a nine-pitch at bat and hit a single. The team as a whole, I thought, worked terrific at bats. They got Lizardo out early and forced the Marlins to go to their bullpen, which, if Wednesday's game was close, probably would have paid dividends. It was just top to bottom. They did a good job working the counts, and while the results weren't always there, it clearly had an impact, and that helped them have the production that they did. I mean, they won Tuesday without hitting a home run, and we know what this Phillies team always is. They're not reliant on the long ball, but to win a lot, they're probably going to need to hit them. No, they scratched across a few runs. There's obviously the Dusty Watham side of it. Everybody was mad at him. I have a hard time being mad at the third base coach when the team does win three to nothing. Like Harper runs through the stop sign in the eighth. That was a that was bad, uh, and it was a four-one win. But Harper runs through that stop sign. That was he should not have tried to stop him. Talk about Schwarber in the first inning. Like think about it. You get runners on second and third to start the game. Bohm lines out to right. And if you send Schwarber there and he gets thrown out against an outfielder with a good arm, then you're talking about two outs and probably Turner goes to third. But suddenly you go from second and third with no out to two outs and a guy on third and no runs. That immediately lets Lazardo off the hook. At the end of the day, and this is how I view many things in sports, it's on the guys that are up to bat and up to the plate to actually hit the baseball. The reason they didn't score in the first inning is not because Watham didn't send Schwarber, who, yes, he's a slow leadoff hitter. We get it. The reason they didn't score is because Harper struck out and JT popped out. It's on the stars to come through in those moments. And the Phillies have a weird thing where sometimes they can't hit with runners in scoring position. And we hope it doesn't come back to bite them. But that happened in the first inning and you felt some, oh, here we go again. They're going to play around with the Marlins. So even after that happened and... Yes, I I know many are on Dusty for not doing that. The fact that still they're able to come up again and and come through and play with the lead, it just felt like a perfect ease into the playoffs. There was no tension in that game, really, except for some moments late. But they avoided many of the huge scares. They didn't go down at all. These are things where you talk about a raucous home crowd and a team that's a favorite. Maybe the worst thing that can happen is they go down early. Because then everybody gets tense and they start to get scared. But even though it took until the third inning, the Phillies played from ahead. And the contributions from Rojas and Pache were terrific, both fielding 
And also, at the plate, Pache with an RBI single. I thought Rob Thompson, I mentioned he ran circles around Shoemaker. I thought he pushed all the right buttons in that game. Bo moving up to third. He has a, a big hit later. And Pache and Rojas in 8-9 and nine against the lefty. And then they bring in Marsh later, and it was a cool moment where he gets the cheer. Everybody's happy that he's in the game. But to be able to go to Pache and have Marsh hit against righties and not really miss a beat, Pache hits lefties well, and they're both terrific defensively. To have that flexibility, I think, speaks volumes. And every button he pushed was right. He got Wheeler out at the exact right time. I know last year's postseason, how it ended, pulling Wheeler for Alvarado. There, Wheeler was clearly slowing down. He was up to 100 pitches, and Alvarado came in and did the job. And then you go from Alvarado, then he goes Hoffman, a big spot against Jorge Soler, the tying run. He gets that done. And then, while I don't trust Kimbrell at all, it's a three-run lead, and I felt okay about it. But that's the nature of the bullpen and how it stands right now. If Sir Anthony was locked down, then we probably wouldn't see Kimbrell in that spot. But I thought every button Rob Thompson pushed, you need to give him credit. Everybody rips him when they don't like a pitching change or they don't like Schwarber at leadoff. When a manager clearly puts the team in the perfect position to succeed and all of the moves look smart in hindsight, give the guy some credit. Let me give him credit for the vibe he brings to the clubhouse. This guy's also doing a terrific job in-game. So, the only guy who had an arguably bad night, at least publicly, was Dusty Watham. Luckily, it didn't matter. So then we go to, to Wednesday, and take everything I said about Wheeler and his dominance and what that means for the team. Aaron Nola. Aaron Nola. The guy that we on this show have defended since the start of the year, or since I started doing this show. Seven innings, three hits, one walk, three strikeouts. He's managing runners when they're on base. Are you kidding? John Birdie, I think his name is, starts breaking for third. The book on Nola has always been, with this pitch clock, you get guys on, he's unable to pick off a lot, and then you just wreak havoc, and you get in his head. But Aaron Nola instead... And credit to the Phillies staff, Matt Gelb had this in The Athletic, Aaron Nola was dominating in that moment. He wasn't letting Birdie dictate the game. And he picks him off a third base. I think the two turning points in these two games, number one was picking off Birdie going to third on Wednesday because then you avoid having Luis Arise come up with a runner on. And then the next inning, the Phillies score. And that was a huge momentum shift. You could feel it in the building. And game one, as I mentioned... Um, it was it was Johan Rojas's single to get on base and give the Phillies the lead. But Nola was, listen, Nola was terrific. And when we talk about World Series hopes, this is why I, I'm petrified of the Braves. They're really good. But the reason I think the Phillies will win this series is because of the Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola we just saw against Miami. The Phillies are not winning at all if those top two aren't dominating. Because Harper's kind of in a lull right now. The offense isn't going crazy, per se. But you need the two aces to pitch like it against an amazing Braves lineup. And Aaron Nola, what he showed against Miami, getting guys on, getting them to ground into double plays. It was the same thing as the Atlanta start that we harped on. Yes, he gave up a couple runs, but what did we finally see him do? Guys are on base, strike out, pop out, he's out of the jam. He's getting out of these trouble situations. 
with much more ease and at a higher frequency than he had been in the past. And that is the best news you could possibly get. So, amazing start. Uh, I mean, an out-of-body, for all the NOLA haters out there, give the guy some credit. Give him some love as to what he's meant to this team and this franchise. I know the ERA is annoying, but he's going 230 innings. He's taking the ball every fifth day, and he is pitching his best when it matters. That's what we always talk about. Coaches, quarterbacks, they get ripped for losing in the Super Bowl or losing in the big moments that matter. Aaron Nola is delivering when it matters. So I don't care about what happens in May if the guy's dominating in October. And through one start this postseason, I know last postseason, a couple good starts and then things fell off. Through one start, that's the sample size we have. Things are great. And him, like Wheeler, he got, what, 11 days off before this start? Rob Thompson managing the pitching staff perfectly. I'll return to that constantly when they perform well here because they're well-rested, they're well-set up. The guys that needed rest got it. The guys that needed to keep going got it. Just wonderful managing, I think, and that paid dividends uh, during the game. I, I also, a big turning point Wednesday, they are scrapping together runs, which, again, we don't always see. Yeah, the Stott Grand Slam was the moment, and it was incredible, but... We're seeing runs get scrapped together with the single, double down the line. They're scoring in those ways, which if they're scoring multiple ways, the danger level of the lineup obviously rises drastically. Uh, but the the Stott slam was uh, clearly the moment. The tweet, I, I think I retweeted it, of the sound with no announcers, just the ambient sound of the ballpark. It's It was an out-of-body moment down there on Wednesday. How about this for, for Stott? He hit the grand slam off a fastball. Against a fastball, he was 2-for-27 in last year's playoffs. Remember, he would just foul all of them off and then get a breaking ball to hit. So he, he crushes that one, and it's finally off a fastball. He was 0-for-10 against fastballs in the World Series last year. And this guy grinded all offseason to get better at it. And he isn't an unsung hero because of how much he's loved here. And I know people compare him to Oddly, plays second base and really good hitter, does everything right. I am amazed, and I can't compare him to Oddly because he's not the star of the team, but it is incredible to have four to five stars of Harper, you know, Schwarber, Trey, JT, and then for Stott and throw Bohm too to be the six and seven stars and play those roles perfectly. And Stott, he's the big hit guy. So you have him hitting seventh, you know there's going to be traffic. And it was just an incredible moment. So, yeah, Phil's moving on against the Braves. I I can't say enough good things about the team. I can't say enough great things about what it's like in the city right now and how amazing it is for this baseball team to be winning and be really good. I forget where I read it, but there was something written recently about how great of a winning culture it is right now. It was said in reference to the young guys like Rojas and Pache and Bohm and Stott who have come up and seen what a winning culture is like. And now suddenly, the Phillies just seem like winners from top to bottom, from Middleton to Dombrowski to Thompson to everybody on the field. And the stark difference between what it's like inside the building today and what it was like for the 10 years they weren't in the playoffs, even the Gabe Kapler years, It's like those teams were losers. It was a losing culture. 
They only knew how to lose. And with this team, you feel like no matter what adversity they face, they just know how to win. And I can't quantify how amazing that is as a fan, being at a game or watching it, and how likable the group is, but how easy and fun it is to get behind them. So it was an awesome, awesome two days against Miami. Uh, The Stars, I mean, Nolan Wheeler, Trey Turner, I should obviously mention, four for seven, two doubles, a walk, two stolen bases. He's a threat at two, and the lineup is perfect when he is hitting. And then JT, we spoke about him going into the playoffs as a big X factor. The Marlins are throwing all these lefties at the Phils. He had a huge night Wednesday, but he was three for eight overall, a double, a homer, helping the lineup get even deeper and perform. So those are obviously great signs. No signs are bigger than Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler in that series. All right, it's on the clock. Appreciate you being with us. Obviously, it is a great time to be a Phillies fan. It's a great time to be in this city. And hopefully that continues on through the rest of the month. Hopefully this is not the last week. Um, It is a week that will contain a series against the Atlanta Braves. I'm not going to preview the wrong opponent this time. We know who they're facing. Series starts Saturday. We're going to preview that coming up next. There's some good signs. There are obviously some concerning signs, given how good the Braves are. But we'll talk about what the Phillies are up against, what I think is going to happen, and where we're at going into the weekend. We appreciate you being with us. Uh, If you're listening on podcast, subscribe, do a review, do all the things that you hear all the podcast people talk about. I like to think it's radio. You know, so I'm not like, oh, so you know, subscribe on Apple. No, listen on the Odyssey app, Phillies 24-7. There you go. Sports Radio WIP. I'm Ben Kenny. It's on the clock. We'll be right back. All right, we're back. It's on the clock. Ben Kenny here. Phillies and Braves coming up. It's the NLDS. It is a rematch of last year. You do not need me to tell you that. The Braves have prepared differently this time, though, everybody. They're, they're getting ready for the Phillies, which is Hilarious to think about. They've been doing some simulated games to not be rusty going in. I don't know if you can quantify rust. I don't know what that's going to do, but we'll see. So far in this new playoff outline with the wild card series into the NLDS, the teams that have had buys, it was the Dodgers and the Braves last year, have looked rusty coming out, and they've gotten beaten by hot teams coming in. That was the Padres and the Phillies. So the hope is that that continues, that that is also a trend that we see this season. There is good news to report from the Philly side. I don't root for injury, but this is the news. That's all I can do. I can report it. The Braves are without Charlie Morton, who got rocked in Philly after he got hit by a pitch, but who notably is one of the better big game pitchers in baseball in the last five to seven years. He was awesome as an Astro. I think he was awesome as a Red Sox, if I'm not mistaken. I know he was great on the Astros, but he's a big game pitcher. He was great on the Braves when they won the World Series. He is out for this series. He was placed on the IL a little ways back, which is big news. The second piece, Braves starter Max Freed, who is their clear number two, who started game one for them last year, and the Phillies hit, but who again is an incredible pitcher, has been dealing with a lot of stuff this year, hasn't pitched a lot, He is currently dealing with a blister. And Destiny Legardo of Phillies Nation put this out uh, on Twitter. This comes also from Mark Bowman, MLB.com, covering the Braves. Freed wore a Band-Aid over his finger as he pitched on Tuesday night getting ready. 
he will not obviously be able to wear a Band-Aid when he starts Game 2 Monday at Truist Park. It looks like he's going to start. But even if he does start and is out there, you can never predict how a blister is going to react. You don't know what that's going to look like. If he can go deep in a game, how much the ball will spin, you know, how effective he's going to be. So there is a real chance that the Phillies face a hobbled Max Freed. And hobbled in the sense of he's a pitcher and his hand has a blister. That's how we have to quantify it. It's baseball, you know. I don't know a better word. He's hobbled. And the Phillies could be able to take advantage. So that leads us to the pitching matchups, which I think work out perfectly for the Phillies. I explained this a couple weeks ago when I discussed what the extra day off does. This series will be played on Saturday at 6 o'clock in Atlanta, Monday at 6 o'clock in Atlanta. There's an off day on Sunday. And then they are back here in Philly on Wednesday and Thursday. And if necessary, a game five in Atlanta uh, next Saturday. I I mean, the series is going to go four or five. So those off days and your pitching depth is going to be tested. But with the extra off day, because the Phillies just closed out the Marlins in two, the Phillies are able to go Ranger game one, Wheeler game two, Nola game three, probably Ranger again game four, and then Wheeler again on game five. The rest works perfectly. We don't need Taiwan. We don't need Chris Sanchez. You could go out with those guys. And if you want to move Ranger to the pen, okay, you pitch Chris Sanchez. Or maybe you use Sanchez out of the pen. I don't know how he's gonna how, how he's gonna do his pitching staff. But the way this works out is you have Spencer Strider going for the Braves game one. Max Freed going game two with an asterisk if he's all good to go and healthy. Probably Bryce Elder game three, who the Phillies have hit. Maybe a Kyle Wright goes for a game if, if Freed can't go late. But he was Strider game four, and we'll see game five. How it lines up right now is Spencer Strider will give the Braves a prohibitive advantage in every game he pitches. And that's a given. He owns the Phillies, except for last postseason. And he did say that he doesn't like fans in the stands. So give me Strider for game four. Maybe they hit him at home. I think game one, he's going to completely shut down the Phillies. He's an amazing pitcher. Yet, it's, it's Ranger against Strider. And when I spoke about this a couple weeks ago, I brought up an analogy. In golf, if you watch the Ryder Cup, if you didn't, bear with me for a second. When a captain puts out his Sunday lineup, it's 12 singles matches, and you put out your lineup 1 through 12. It's a blind draw. So you end up having your guys play 1 plays 1, 2 plays 2, all the way down against the other captain who also put in his lineup blindly. The hope is, you, you can't plan to have this guy play this guy, but the hope is you have your worst pitcher, or here at golf, your worst golfer faces their one, and then you are at a big disadvantage and a big underdog in that one match. And then for the rest of them, 2 through 12, you hope your one plays their two, and your two plays their three, and so on. Just to give you an advantage, you want to talk betting, so you're a favorite, in more matches than not. And ideally, you would love to be a big underdog in one and then be favorites in the rest of them. And when we talk about the Philly series, that's what that's how it lines up. They are, or at least they have, a prohibitive disadvantage pitching in game one. Ranger against Strider. If the Phillies can flip that, 
you're talking about a series that the Phils could close out in three or four. Game two, Phils have a huge advantage without Wheeler's pitching. Game three, I would say the Phillies have an advantage without Nola's pitching. Game four, again, you're disadvantaged because it's Strider. And game five with Wheeler again, the Phillies will have the pitching advantage in three out of the five possible games. That's not to say they're going to win those games. We know how baseball works. But it works out perfectly where Wheeler's not going against Strider. If Wheeler is awesome but has one blemish and Strider is lights out, you're kind of wasting a great Wheeler start just because he has to go up against the Braves' one. I think it's perfect to have Ranger in that spot, who I think will pitch pretty well. We'll see how the... I mean, it's the Braves. Best offense probably in 100 years. And then, again, 2-3-5, and five, Phils have a pitching advantage. So, if I were a golf captain, and you told me, how would you like to outline this series pitching matchup-wise, this is exactly what my hope would be. And it's aided by the fact that Max Freed is dealing with stuff, and... I don't like Bryce Elder. They don't have a great number three. Yet, still, I would have outlined it this way. So that's, there is good news in that way. The pitching matchups, I think, work out perfectly for the Phillies. And they work perfectly for, like, I don't think the Phillies win this series if they don't steal one of the first two in Atlanta. I'm not confident game one. But if they win game one, they are winning the series, 100%. Let's say they lose game one. Okay, you get Wheeler-Freed game two. I would probably take the Phillies to win that game. Again, Zach Wheeler being arguably the best postseason pitcher going right now. Out of the whole draft, I could take every remaining pitcher in the playoffs to start one game. I would probably take Wheeler. Strider would be a close second, and we know he owns the Phillies. But you need to steal that second game in Atlanta to come home with energy, come home not having it be an elimination game, And then to be able to, even if you slip up at home, anything happens in game five. It's the old, Kevin Millar said this in 2004. Dan Shaughnessy is out there, uh, Boston Globe reporter, and it's after the Yankees were up 3-0, and Shaughnessy had called the Red Sox frauds. Millar said, yeah, we're going to make you take back that fraud comment because the series not over. We're going to win it. He said, don't let us win tonight. And he outlines, you know, Schilling goes game five, Pedro game six or whatever. In Game 7, anything can happen. You could have anybody on the mound in Game 7, and anything can happen. So getting to a Game 5 is going to be crucial. If you lose Game 1, if you lose both Strider starts, just get me to Game 5. My nerves wouldn't do well in that setting, but get me there. And I'm confident, again, this being a team of winners and guys that seem to always come up big in those moments, get me there because I think the Phillies will do it. I don't know what other cliche keys I can throw out except steal a game on the road and you know see the ball hit the ball as some of our callers on WIP love to say I do want to note that it feels like the offense one to nine with the fills is working everybody's producing and everybody seems to be locked in albeit you know Trey JT Boehm Castellanos whoever they're all locked in the only guy that's not hitting the baseball well right now is Bryce Harper. Which if you told me that's the case, then I would have said you're crazy. He's always on. You you never seem to get him in a slump. Now it's tough for him in the playoffs because he's going to face tough lefties the entire game. They're going to obviously match up against him. And then when they don't have a good matchup, they're walking him. And that's just what a dominant hitter does to a 
opposing manager and to a pitching staff. But if you told me that everybody's working except for Harper, if there's one guy I have confidence in working and getting hot, it's that guy. You know in the big spots he'll do it. So if everybody can continue what they've been doing against Miami and then Harper is able to get some good matchups, I think this offense has a good series. Do they outslug the Braves? I don't know. That's going to be really hard. The Phillies are going to have to win this series, I think, with starting pitching, as I mentioned, in the non-strider days, and I really think they have to win it with their bullpen. Bryce Harper and the Phillies have, what's his name? The the closer that came in. I, I'm blanking on his name, and I could look it up, but I'm not going to. They have his number. Uh, they've They've crushed him. Harper had the big homer off him to tie the game. I think the Phillies have a bullpen advantage if all of the right buttons are pushed and if the guys deliver. And it's easy to say, but I'm talking pure on paper. Give me Alvarado. Give me Kirkering, who pitched game two, frankly. Give me him over Kimbrell. But give me Alvarado, Sir Anthony, Soto, Strom, Jeff Hoffman. I trust those guys more than I trust the Braves' bullpen. And if the Phillies are down in games... I really think that they'll have an advantage against the guys the Braves will throw out there. Everybody except Jesse Minter, who I despise and somehow always shuts us down. But I think this some of the games are going to have to be won by the bullpen. And if the Phillies are going to win, that is going to be the key. The starting pitching is huge, obviously, and the offense is huge. But you're going to have to win a close game. The Braves might blow you out game one, whatever. You're going to have to come back and win a one-run game. And I trust the Phillies bullpen to do it more than I do the Braves. And I believe his name is Rysel Iglesias, by the way, for the record, uh, before people start coming at me for forgetting names. Actually, you know, I've been, I was recording something after game one of Phillies Marlins. And I was talking about the Marlins pitching staff. And yes, it was 2.45 in the morning and I was probably tired and the coffee had worn off. And I called Sandy Alcantara Sergio Alcantara. So that one it hasn't been published on the podcast feed, thankfully. But I'm I, I am no I'm not immune from the, the slip up of names by no means. So yeah, Phil's Braves. I a series outlook before we get to some other baseball stuff. I think the Phillies win this in five. And I think the winner of this series is going to go on to win the World Series. The Dodgers do not scare me with what they have on the mound. And we'll talk about the Dodgers further if the Phillies go on to face them. And you give me Phillies-Orioles World Series. If the Phillies can get past the Braves, they're going to win it all. And I think they do it here in five. I think Wheeler's terrific. I think there's a bullpen game, probably game three or four where they need it. And I think they bat around the non-Spencer Strider pitchers. And then Strider here in Philly, like who knows? There's a real chance that he is flustered by the atmosphere. And if that's a night game, look out. The guy doesn't like pitching in front of fans. So I think the Phillies get it done. I don't want to discount how good the Braves are. And this is not, like, I, I'll talk myself into being anxious when the games are starting. But I think this is truly, it's a good matchup for the Phillies. They have the Braves number. The Braves have more pressure on them at this moment, being the better team, having the bye and the, it's hard to see the Phils losing right now when you watch them play. It really is. And they're not the favorite here. They'll be the underdog. But I think they do it. I think we're talking about an NLCS uh, on next show.
We're talking about Game 5 on next show. Actually, next Friday. And then an NLCS after that. So, man, I, I can't wait for it to get started. Saturday at 6 o'clock. All right. On the clock, Ben Kenny with you. Sports Radio, WIP, and Phillies 24-7. We'll talk uh, some MOE playoff wide. I have a headline from each series and some thoughts on the happenings across the sport. We'll touch on that when we return. It's on the clock. All right, we're back. It's on the clock. It was a collection of sweeps across baseball this week. The Phillies did their part. We've talked about it. Goodbye, Miami. Goodbye, Jazz Chisholm. Talk, all the Marlins, whoever let them know that they could talk before a series, that they were going to get waxed in, whoever advised them on doing that is an idiot, and they're all idiots for doing it. Bell's talking about celebrating. Chisholm's talking about loving the bright lights. Buddy, you went 0 for 8. At least talk about that after the series, after you know what you're getting yourself into. Arise is talking about his plans for the Brave series. Like, get out of here. Not a good look. Not smart, especially coming into this town. So the Phils sweep the Marlins. The Diamondbacks, who I thought the Phillies would crush, and maybe they still would have or still will. You can't say it's wrong because it's never happened. We didn't get to see whether that would have been true. Arizona swept the Brewers. They will now go on to face the Dodgers. I might pick Arizona in that series. Imagine if the Phils go from the Braves to the freaking Diamondbacks to get to the World Series. We'll, we'll talk about that in the future. The headline of that series, I, I mean, the Milwaukee Brewers are stuck in such mediocrity. It's kind of sad. And they're, it's something that goes from the manager. It's a trickle down. Craig Council, who I love as a manager, talks all this stuff about, you know, we get to the playoffs and it's a roll of the dice. There isn't much confidence portrayed. And then you hear some of their players talk after. It's like, yeah, you know, good season, but uh, the playoffs are just tough. They just, I, that is a team that you do not look at and think, oh yeah, that's a group of winners. Every time they get to the playoffs, fall flat, it, whatever reason. And I feel bad for my people out in Wisconsin where I used to live. I, I do, and the fans of that team. But I mean, I mean, come on. There's no way I can get behind that team as a legit contender. They're, they're just stuck. They're stuck. They can't tear it down. They're too good, but they're not good enough to actually win anything. And I don't know what the fix is. Fix number one actually might be having an atmosphere in that ballpark that's at least the least bit intimidating. But I'm not going to, we're not going to litigate that over and over. Just turn on Philly's tape. That's what it should look like. The, the Minnesota Twins had their first playoff win in 17, 18 years. They swept the Blue Jays. And we had another moment of manager taking pitcher out in the fourth inning, a la Kevin Cash in the World Series with Snell a couple years ago. They take out Barrios. They bring in, I think, Yusei Kikuchi. And they end up losing. I, the Twins beat him. But the Twins with the first playoff win since, like, the 4 ALDS. Crazy to think about. I am happy for my people in Minnesota. This is, I look at the series coming up. It's now Astros against the Twins. The headline from this series for me is, congrats to the Astros for advancing to the ALCS. No chance in the freaking world the Twins do anything. And if they do, you can come here and tell me I'm wrong. There's no way. I, like, they have some, some nice hitters, and their pitching staff has been phenomenal. But they're the Twins. It's like the Cowboys in the playoffs. It's something you just know is going to happen. So I think the Astros have no trouble going to the ALCS. 
And in the, the final series, the Rangers sweep the Rays. Uh, Zach Eflin ends up losing the final game on the same day that Nola pitches great. For all those, you know, clamoring for the Phillies to have kept Eflin. The Rangers go on to face the Orioles. So you got Rangers, Orioles, Twins, Astros, Dodgers, D-backs, and then Phil's Braves. Phenomenal series. But the headline from Rangers and Rays is simple. 400 people in Tampa boo the hometown Rays. There were boo birds thrown out. Those atrocious cowbells. Like an absolute disgrace of a prop to be allowed at a game. They're not really ringing because the team stinks, but also because you had 1,500 people at the game. And they're going to build a new stadium in St. Pete. It's unfathomable how few people show up, even with how good that team is. It's sad. I know it's a young team, but it's just not in a location where people can get behind it. So imagine going on the road and playing there. It's like playing football at Northwestern. It's like all the energy is sucked out. There's no energy. It's like it's a COVID stadium with two crazy dudes ringing cowbells. So uh, the Rangers are good, though. They deserve it. Yavaldi's a workhorse. They might get Scherzer back. And they have a bunch of young guys that are hitting. But they've straight up bought a team. Like they've, They took a crazy model. And they're in this position even with DeGrom being out. And then you feel for the guy, but, I mean, unbelievable. That's going to be a fun week. These division series are really good. And you hope they last longer than the wild cards. There's no baseball on Thursday night. What the hell am I supposed to do? I'm not watching Commander's Bears. That atrocity of a football game. No chance. All right. It's on the clock. I'm Ben Kenny. We will come back. We'll close it out. We will get you ready for Phillies and Braves in the NLDS. That's coming up next. All right. We're back on the clock. Couple minutes here. Uh, ben Kenny with you. At Ben Z. Kenny on Twitter for all Phillies related comments and any concerns about the show. My DMs are open. There's been some, I, I've gotten enough hate in the DMs already to not just willingly allow more to flow in. So that's how you can reach out. Phils and Braves, Saturday night. Thompson, as of this exact moment, has not announced the game one starter. I think it's going to be Ranger. I think it should be. The other option would be Chris Sanchez. There is no world where Taiwan Walker is starting a game this series. Can't deal with it. Won't go well. So I hope it's Ranger that gets announced. He will be opposed by Mr. No Fans, Mr. Strider, and I'm not going to be back on here until next Friday after game four, before a possible game five. I hope the Phillies win in four so we get to talk about this series and look ahead to the Dodgers. But I wish I could come on Monday and react to the game. And hopefully, if the Phillies win on on Saturday, I'm calling the series. It's over. I might call the Phillies world champions at that point, which might be counterproductive. But whatever, I've jinxed things in the past. You know my words have no bearing. Except sometimes when I tweet good things about Nola, then he melts down, which he didn't do. If this show is going to point out anything, it's going to point out when Aaron Nola battles through innings. And on Wednesday, he did that. He goes game three, Wednesday against Bryce Elder. I I don't have the odds in front of me, but I did see last night, Braves are minus 190 in this series. The Phillies, plus 160. They're underdogs. But even if they are mathematically underdogs, and clearly they played well in that role last year, they carry themselves like the deserved. Like, they carry themselves like the defending National League champions that they are. 
which you need going in to a place. I mean, I'm not going to say Atlanta is a great home ballpark, but you need it going on the road against a great team like the Braves, who I, I think in the back of their minds, they are petrified of coming to Philadelphia. If the Phillies can get up or get tied 1-1 after Atlanta, I do think there is a chance that the Braves, as they did last year, just completely melt down. That'd be ideal. There's a real chance of that happening. So hopefully it does, and we will talk to you. We'll be back to recap it all next Friday. Hopefully we're talking about a Philly series win, and I get to proclaim them world champions. But until then, enjoy the games, everybody. Keep the heart rate low. I'm going to try to keep mine. Let's go. Let's win a playoff series. We'll talk to you next week. See ya. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.